to My Favorite Theorem. I'm Kevin Knudsen, your host, professor of mathematics at the University of Florida. I am without my co-host, Evelyn Lamb, in this episode because I'm on location at the Banff International Research Station, about a mile high in the Canadian Rockies, and this place is spectacular. If you ever get a chance to come here for math or not, you, you should definitely uh, uh, make your way up here. And so I'm joined by my uh, longtime friend, Justin Curry. Justin? Hey, Kevin. Uh, can you uh, tell us a little bit about yourself? <clears throat> yeah, so uh, I'm Justin Curry. I'm a, a mathematician working in the area of applied topology. I um, am finishing up a postdoc at Duke University and on my way to a uh, professorship at uh, UAlbany as part of the SUNY system. Yeah, congratulations. Thank you. Yeah, uh, landing that first tenure track job is always... Um, no uh, easy feat. No, yeah, especially especially these days. So um, I, I know the answer to this already because we talked about it a bit ahead of time, but, but uh, tell us about your favorite theorem. So the theorem I decided to choose um, was the classification of regular polyhedra into the five platonic solids. Very cool. Yeah, I really like this theorem for a lot of reasons. Um, there are some very natural things that show up. Um, and one proof of it, you use Euler's uh, theorem, mm -hmm. that the Euler characteristic of things that look like the sphere are is two and um, of course there's duality between some of the the shapes and there are, uh, are also it appears when you classify finite subgroups of SO3 um, when you get the uh, symmetry groups of each of the solids um, Oh, right. Are, there, are, they the, are those the only finite subgroups of SO3? Well, you also have the sort of cyclic and dihedral groups yeah, sure. uh, that kind of embed in, but yes. Um, and really? the funny thing I is, didn't know that. Okay. is yeah. they collapse, too, because yeah. like, dual solids have the same uh, sure. uh, symmetry groups. Um, oh, very cool. So, so did the ancient Greeks know this? Like these were the only, <laughs> these were the only five? I'm, I'm sure they suspect it, but did they know? Yeah, so that's a good question. Um, I don't know to what extent they had a proof that the only five regular polyhedra were uh, the platonic solids, but mm -hmm. they definitely knew the list, and they knew they were special. Um, right, because Archimedes had his solids, or the Archimedean ones, which are, uh, uh, yeah. you, you're allowed different polygons, That's right. but there's still this sort of regularity condition. I can never remember the, the, yeah. the actual definition, but there's like 13 of them, that, and, then, okay. and then there's yeah. five platonics. That's yeah. right, that's right, yeah. yeah. So, so uh, you mentioned the proof involving the Euler characteristic, which is the one I had in mind. Yep, yep. So, so, so let's let can, can we maybe tell our listeners how that might go at least roughly? We're not going to do a case analysis. Yeah, no, I mean, so the, the proof is actually really simple. Like you uh, assume that, well, you know for a fact that vertices minus edges plus faces has to equal two. Yep. Um, and then when you take uh, polyhedra constructed out of Faces, those faces have a different number of edges. So you think about a triangle has three edges, mm -hmm. square has four edges, pentagons have five. Um, and then you just ask, like, how many edges or faces meet at a given vertex? And you end up creating this, these two equations. One is something like uh, if you have your faces have p sides, then you know that p times the number of faces equals two times the number of edges. Yeah. And then you... Um, want to look at this condition of faces meeting at a given vertex, and you end up getting the equation like Q times the number of vertices equals 2 times the number of edges, and then you plug that in into Euler's theorem, V minus E plus F equals 2, and you end up getting very rigid counting only a few solutions work. Right, yeah, and, and of course you can't have anything more than pentagons because exactly. then you have to go to hyperbolic space. 
Oh yeah, that's right. And, so that's and you can certainly do this, right? You know, yeah. if you can you can make a torus. I've done this with origami, right? You do these sort of modular things where you can uh, make tori where they have you know decagons and octagons and yeah, things like exactly. that. But, but yeah, but 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 uh, once once you get to hexagons. Yep. You introduce negative curve, well, flat for hexagons, but... That's right. Yeah. So yeah. that's another one of the reasons I love this theorem, is like right. it quickly introduces and intersects with so many higher branches of mathematics. Yeah, right, right. Um, so, so are there other proofs? Gosh. Do you know? I, mean, I actually don't know of any other proof. Yeah, that's, I mean, that was the one I thought of, too. Yeah. Um, and so I was wondering if, if there was some other slick proof. Well, so yeah, the, I initially was thinking about the finite subgroups of SO3, right. um, but again, this kind of fails to distinguish the dual ones, um, but uh -huh. you do pick out these special symmetry groups, and then right. you can ask, well, what are these symmetries of, and then uh, you can start coming up with a polyhedra. Sure, sure. Yeah, so um, so maybe we should remind our readers about our readers. <laughs> hey. I read I read too much on the internet. Our listeners about about duality, right? So so maybe explain how you get the dual of a of a of a polyhedral surface. Yeah, so it's a uh, it's really simple, beautiful. Like if you start with something like let's imagine you have a cube in your mind and uh, take at the center of every face, uh, put a vertex. And so if you have the cube, you've got six sides, and so in, in this thing we are constructing this dual platonic solid it's going to have six vertices and and then if you connect edges according to when there was an edge in the original solid um, and then you end up having faces corresponding to vertices in the original solid mm -hmm. you can sort of quickly imagine that you've got this sort of jewel growing inside of a cube and that ends up being the octahedron and right so, yeah. yeah so you join two vertices when they're Corresponding dual faces meet along an edge, right? And then, yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah, exactly. Right. So let's see. So the cube has the octahedron as its dual, uh -huh. and then there there's the icosahedron uh -huh. and the dodecahedron. Which uh -huh. uh, the icosahedron has twenty triangular faces. That's right. And the dodecahedron has twelve pentagonal faces. That's right. And when you start when you do the vertex counts and all of that, you you see that those two things are dual. Yep. Yep. And then there's the tetrahedron, which is the fifth. One, yeah. you say, well, wait a minute, what's its dual? Yeah, well, it's, and, you it's, know, it's, self it's itself. It's yeah. self-dual. Self-dual. It's self-dual. So um, um, self-dual is a nice thing to think about. You know, there, there, are, mm -hmm. there are other things that are self-dual that aren't you know, platonic solids, of course. Um, but it's sort of this nice philosophical concept. Yeah, exactly. You know, like like you, know, you, you sort of have these two sides of your own personality. And, you exactly. Know, and you all have this weird duality. And, you know, and are we self-dual? That's right. Yeah, right. Yeah, I mean, I, I, I like to almost think of them as a sort of partners um, and you know the the cube determines uh, without even knowing about it its sort of soulmate the octahedron and yeah. the dodecahedron without knowing it determines its soulmate the icosahedron and well the tetrahedron just sort of is in love with itself and it has its own uh, so th th this sounds like an algorithm for match.com <laughs> <laughs> exactly <laughs> you know they, I could just see this now they ask a question choose a choose a solid right they just, That's they right. just they, and, and maybe they leave out the tetrahedron. Yeah, because you know, because you don't want to date yourself. Yeah, that's right. Or maybe yeah. you do. Well, maybe right. Yeah, yeah. yeah. So uh, on on our show, we like to uh, ask our guests to to pair their theorem with something. So so, what have you thought about for this? Right. So um, I mean, it's a little little lame in that it's sort of obvious. Um, but so platonic solids, the way it got the name was that in Plato's Timaeus, um, mm -hmm. which is sort of in many ways, his description of how the world came to be is its, its source yeah. of cosmogony, um, uh -huh. and uh, in that in that text, uh, he describes an association of every platonic solid with an element, and so okay. so the cube is 
correspondent with the element of Earth. And you want to think about, like, why, is, why would that be the case? Well, a cube can sort of tessellate three space, and it's very sure. stable. Um, right. And so, like, Earth is supposed to be very stable and yeah. um, sort of unshakable in a mm-hmm. sense. Mm-hmm. And to see, I don't know if Plato actually knew about duality, but uh, sort of the dual solid... Uh, to the cube is the octahedron, which he associated with air. So you have this mm-hmm. kind of earth-sky mm-hmm. um, symbolic dualism as well. Mm-hmm. Um, and then, unfortunately, I think this kind of analogy starts to break down a bit, but um, you have the icosahedron, the uh, one made out of triangle sides. This is associated with the element of water. And if you kind of think about it, it looks like a drop of water. It does. And so it's... you can imagine it rolling around and being fluid. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's dual to the dodecahedron, and that was sort of this oddball shape where they didn't know because normally you think of four elements like right uh, earth fire wind water yeah and like what do you do with this fifth one well that was for him uh, sort of ether or the, or uh, the cosmic, ether yeah okay wait yeah. so the tetrahedron was fire so the tetrahedron is fire because it's so pointy that's right like exactly it's, it's, it's exactly sort of, sort of rough and raw and, exactly and, right it's um or, or that they might be giants on triangle man right you sort of, it's, it's it's the pointiest one that's right and triangle wins every time yeah and, yeah, and of course the other thing I like is that, you know, fire needs air to breathe. And yes. if you put tetrahedra and octahedra together, those tessellate three space. Oh, that's right. Yeah. Okay. So, so those are... So a, did they know that, I wonder? I, wonder I don't know. Thought, oh, that's... That's why this is fun to speculate about. Sure. It's because they obviously had an understanding, mm-hmm. and it's unclear, like, mm-hmm. what was the depth or rigor, but they definitely knew something. Sure. I we've known this for thousands of years. Sure. And then there these models, were they medieval, or, or was it Ptolemy or somebody yeah. with the... the like the, the nested, that's right. The way um, the solar system, would the way the work. solar system was as nested platonic solids. Oh, that's right. Yeah. 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 yeah this um, these things are endlessly fascinating. I mean, I, I like making all of them out of origami, mm-hmm. uh, out of uh, various things. You can do them all with um, with business cards. Okay. Um, except the dodecahedron. Okay. Uh, it's it's hard to get <laughs> pentagons, but but you can make these. You can take business cards and you can make these. Uh, Cubes are easy. The yeah, cube yeah, is easy. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But the other ones, you know, are, uh, are all triangular faces. And um, you can make these sort of triangular modules where you get two triangles out of a business card with a couple of flaps. Yep. And take two of them will give you a tetrahedron. Four of them will give you an octahedron. And the, the, uh, the, the icosahedron is tricky mm-hmm. because you need, what, ten business cards. Mm-hmm. Uh, but you start making it, and I'll, I admit, I have one sitting on my desk, and it's been there for years. It's very stable once it's together, mm-hmm. but you have to use tape along the way. <laughs> And then yeah, take the yeah. tape off, and then it's okay. Okay, it's okay. So this this is great fun. Actually, there's this, there's this great book by um, Thomas Hall called um, uh, I forget the name of it now, but it's a great origami book by Thomas Hall, and he, he describes how to do these things. It's very cool. Yeah, and so yeah, I yeah. certainly recommend all that. Uh, anything else you want to add? Anything else you want to tell us about these things? You you have all these things tattooed on your body, so you must you must be. Uh, yeah, I, least... I definitely feel pretty passionate, and it was one of those yeah. things. If I have to live with this for thirty years, um, I'll know that. Platonic solids won't change. You know, That's won't, true. There won't be a, suddenly a new one discovered. Um, right. It's not like, um, yeah, not, not, not like someone's name. <laughs> you might regret it later. Although, you know, my, my tattoos are, you know, this is this is man, woman, and son. Okay, yeah. Right? So my wife and I just had our 25th anniversary, so this is still good, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. And yeah. I don't expect to have to get rid of that. But, yeah, yeah, but, yeah. Um, <laughs> anyway. Uh, well, thanks, Justin. This has, been, uh, this has been great fun. Thanks for taking a few minutes out of the busy schedule here. This is a really cool conference, by the way, just... Yeah, I love it. We're bringing together some of the, you know, brightest minds in applied topology and outside of applied topology to, like, see how topology can inform data science and how algebra 
interacts in this area and what new foundations you need in aspects yeah. of algebra. Yeah, it's very cool. So thanks again, and good luck in your new job. Yes, thank you, Kevin. Yeah. Thanks for listening to My Favorite Theorem, hosted by Kevin Knudsen and Evelyn Lane. The music you're hearing is a piece called Fractalia, a percussion quartet performed by four high school students from Gainesville, Florida. They are Blake Crawford, Gus Knudsen, Del Mitchell, and Bao Chao Nguyen. You can find more information about the mathematicians and theorems featured in this podcast, along with other delightful mathematical treats, at Kevin's website, kpknudsen.com, and Evelyn's blog, Roots of Unity, on the Scientific American Blog Network. We love to hear from our listeners, so please drop us a line at myfavoritetheorem at gmail.com, or you can find us on Facebook and Twitter. Kevin's handle on Twitter is at Nivik that's Kevin spelled backwards followed by Knudsen spelled backwards, and Evelyn's is at Evelyn J. Lamb. The show itself also has a Twitter feed. The handle is M-Y-F-A-V-E-T-H-M, that's at My Favorite Theorem. Join us next time to learn another fascinating piece of mathematics. Thank you.